This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. You may have noticed the days are getting a bit shorter as August winds up, but the heat is still with us. But certainly not as bad as the 100-plus degree temperatures we had a couple weeks back. And I must say that living in Northern California, as we do, fall and spring are marvelous. I'm looking forward to the one that's just around the corner. In our second segment today, we're going to speak with an author named Yale Wishnick about his book, From a Culture of Dependency to a Culture of Success, focusing on what's right about America and the American people. Mr. Wishnick came to us highly recommended by Sean Minton, our regular sports correspondent. We think you're going to enjoy that talk, so by all means, stay tuned for that in our second segment. But, not to get ahead of ourselves, let us open today's show, as we like to do, with On This Date in History. Our date in question is the 23rd of August. It was on August 23rd in the year 410 that the Visigoths sacked Rome. This signaled the end of the Roman Empire, which was sad, but it did have a good run. Of course, many would argue, I think quite correctly, that the Roman Empire, in fact, persisted another thousand years, mainly on the eastern part of the empire, Constantinople, better known today as Istanbul. In fact, considering its cultural legacy, you know, Visigoths be damned, I think the Roman Empire has persisted to this day. On August 23rd in the year 1839, during the Opium War with China, the British occupied Hong Kong. Many people are unaware of this fact, but the British forced upon the Chinese people the opium trade because it was so lucrative. Seems like a far cry from the drug war of today, but I think if you really took a close look at the drug war of today, you'd find that it's actually, in fact, not all that different. But that's a topic for another day. All right, from the oddball file, we have this one, I think. On August 23rd, and I certainly did not know this, in the year 1922, a car named Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, driven by Count Louis Zabrowski at 73 miles an hour, won the first South Sea Speed Carnival in England. That name reappeared as the title of an Ian Fleming book about a magical car which became a movie in 1968 and a hit stage musical in 2002. And yes, that's the same Ian Fleming of James Bond fame. Who knew? And on this date, August 23rd in 1939, an event which led directly to the outbreak of hostilities in World War II took place, namely the signing of the Molotov-Von Ribbentrop Pact between Nazi Germany and Stalinist Russia. The Two nations stunned the world, given their diametrically opposed ideologies. The pact basically called for the carving up of parts of Eastern Europe while leaving each other alone in the process. The most immediate effect was the partitioning of Poland, which Germany invaded on September 1st, leading to a declaration of war by Britain. Of course, the joke was on Joseph Stalin. The pact was broken in June 1941 when Germany invaded the USSR. Of course, this led to bringing the Soviets into the war on the side of the Allies, which in the end worked out pretty well. By the way, we refer you to our archives for a wonderful talk we had with author Konstantin Pleshikov about his book, Stalin's Folly, which detailed uh, what happened those days back in 1941. 
And on a much happier note, it was on October 23rd, 1977, that Brian Allen won the Kramer Prize for the first human-powered flight. He pedaled the Gossamer Condor for at least a mile at Shafter, California. The aircraft was made of thin aluminum tubes covered with plastic and weighed just 70 pounds. I believe it was Mr. Allen who also uh, took a similar aircraft, which was human-powered, across the English Channel. I would suggest anyone contemplating such a feat should develop thighs approximately the size of tree trunks before attempting this. Our quote of the day comes from the book we're going to talk about in our second segment today, From a Culture of Dependency to a Culture of Success. It's a quote from Michael Jordan, who said, I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something. But I can't accept not trying. Our quip of the day comes from the late Helen Gurley Brown, whom we talked about on last week's show, who once said, If you're not a sex object, you're in trouble. Our joke of the day comes from Jay Leno, who a couple weeks ago said, Congratulations to American Ashton Eaton. He won the gold in the Olympic decathlon. Hopefully Mr. Eaton will not do what many great American decathletes have done. You know, get bad plastic surgery and marry a Kardashian. Well, that said, we, we still like Bruce Jenner. Our stat of the day, and this one's a bit unnerving, is that more than 3 billion people on this planet are under the age of 25, the largest generation in human history. Even if these young people choose to have smaller families than their parents, the world's population is expected to still rise from 7 billion now to 9.3 billion by 2050, the equivalent of adding another India and China to the world. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, you just have to love this item, it was a good week last week for intraspecies cooperation with the news that three kangaroos escaped from a German zoo with the help of a fox and a wild boar. Yes, according to the story, the kangaroos got free of their pen through a hole dug by the fox, then breached the zoo's exterior fence through a hole dug by the wild boar. What's really amazing is the three kangaroos came back, opened up the gate, and let out the boar and the fox. Actually, that latter is not true, but I wish it was. On the other hand, it was a bad week last week for anti-Semitic rants. With the news that one of Hungary's most prominent far-right anti-Semitic politicians has now been drummed out of the nationalistic Jobbik party after having to admit that he has Jewish ancestry. Yes, apparently Kasanad Segeti, who's long been known for his rants against Jews, accusing them of buying up the country and controlling politics, has now confirmed internet rumors that his mother's parents were Jewish Holocaust survivors. He immediately quit the party and may lose his seat in the European Parliament, which, which causes you to have to ask the question is, what is this guy doing having a seat in the European Parliament? And finally, it was an ugly week last week for the National Rifle Association, 
when it was revealed that a Nevada man who had worn a legally concealed weapon to the movies alarmed his fellow patrons when he accidentally shot himself in the buttocks. Police report that the unarmed man whom they found at a hospital told them he was adjusting the seat when the weapon fell and discharged. He reportedly apologized out loud, but nevertheless, several moviegoers called the cops reporting gunfire. Well, yeah. And given the popular acclaim accompanying our reviving of our Jackass of the Week feature on last week's program, we will, in fact, make a presentation on today's show for the Jackass of the Week which we think is going to have to go to Representative Todd Aiken, who is the Republican Senate nominee from Missouri. He provoked ire across the country this week by saying that in instances of what he called, quote, legitimate rape, unquote, women's bodies somehow blocked an unwanted pregnancy. The story is that Representative Aiken was asked in an interview on a St. Louis television station about his views on abortion, He's a six-term member of Congress and a favorite of Tea Party conservatives. He made it clear that his opposition to the practice was nearly absolute, even in instances of rape. Said Aiken, and we quote, It seems to me, from what I understand from doctors, if it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try and shut that whole thing down. Let's assume that maybe that didn't work or something. I think there should be some punishment, but the punishment ought to be of the rapist, and not attacking the child. After these remarks were posted on the station's website, they provoked howls of outrage from Democrats and women's rights organizations. Senator Clara McCaskill, the Democrat who will face Aiken in the November election, immediately took to Twitter, which I guess is a sign of the times, with a blunt response. Said McCaskill, as a woman and former prosecutor who handled hundreds of rape cases, I'm stunned by Representative Aiken's comments about victims this morning. Noted the New York Times, Aiken quickly backtracked from his taped comments saying he misspoke. As you uh, might imagine, the Republican presidential ticket of Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan were quick to distance themselves from Aiken's remarks. Said a campaign spokesperson, Governor Romney and Congressman Ryan disagree with Aiken's statements. A Romney-Ryan administration would not oppose abortion in instances of rape. Well, we have to say, if it's a legitimate rape. And no, we have no idea what the representative meant by, quote, legitimate rape, unquote. But at any rate, this is why Representative Aiken earns our Jackass of the Week Award. All right, we have some very, very provocative science topics to talk about, which I think I'll save for our third segment today. But I think for the remainder of our first segment today, I'll focus on some lighter fare, starting with Doonesbury, a national treasure. In the Sunday edition, Mark Slackmeyer, a radio host of what's described as NPR's All Things Reconsidered, a large Republican raven is the guest in the studio, to which Mark says, we're talking voter suppression with Mr. Jimmy Crow. Jimmy, a five-year Bush Justice Department probe turned up only 86 cases of voter fraud out of 300 million votes cast, and not a single case of impersonation fraud. So tell me with a straight face that the new GOP voter ID laws are actually about fraud, said the Crow. No problem. The new GOP voter ID bills are actually about fraud. 
said Mark. You're smiling when you say that, said Jimmy. That's just nerves. All this fraud has got me freaked out. This is a continuation of numerous um, uh, strip panels that Gary Trudeau has done on this topic. Writing about that in a blog for McClatchy, posted uh, last month by William Douglas, was the following. The battle over a spate of new voting access laws passed in more than a dozen states isn't a laughing matter to supporters and foes of the measure. But to Doonesbury creator Gary Trudeau, it's the perfect political fodder for his strip. He devoted Doonesbury panels last week to the voting law issue and introduced a new character whose name sums up what the Pulitzer Prize-winning cartoonist thinks about the voting change, a bird named Jimmy Crow. This came about the same time that hearings were being held in Pennsylvania over challenges to the state's voter photo identification. Sadly, the court challenge by the ACLU failed. In that Pennsylvania court challenge, the ACLU had filed a stipulation document which was signed by state officials that said the state hadn't investigated or prosecuted any instances of in-person voter fraud. Noting, quote, the parties are not aware of any incidents of in-person voter fraud in Pennsylvania and do not have direct personal knowledge of in-person voter fraud elsewhere. That document was signed by a senior deputy state attorney general. In an interview with McClatchy, Gary Trudeau said, who goes to the trouble and risk of voting as someone other than themselves? As it turns out, almost nobody. It's a toxic solution to remedy a non-existent problem. Added Trudeau, if President Obama and other Democrats lose in November as a direct consequence of voter suppression, public outrage will be off the charts. Much worse than after the 2000 election. Well, we hope so, Mr. Trudeau. Of course, the Jim Crow reference, if you're not familiar with it, goes back to laws enacted in the wake of Reconstruction. After the Civil War, blacks were emancipated and given the right to vote. There were even black representatives in numerous southern states, which caused these states to pass what were called Jim Crow laws with provisions such as poll taxes, which black people couldn't afford, or regulations such as the grandfather rule, which meant that, well, you could vote if your grandfather voted which, of course, in one fell swoop, disenfranchised all former slaves. A couple months back, Eric Holder, our uh, U.S. Attorney General, described Texas's controversial voter ID law as a 21st century equivalent of a poll tax. Noted Bruce Ackerman in the L.A. Times that Texas law requiring a photo ID from all prospective voters would predominantly affect lower-income and minority voters who tend to vote Democratic, which is not a coincidence, but don't have driver's licenses or other photo identification. This really is about voting while black. From my understanding of it, the Republican Party takes a look at it and says, well, we've explained to you very patiently why it is you should vote for us, and some of you are irresponsible enough to go out and do otherwise. What else can we do but curtail your right to vote? Of course, I would note in saying that, that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. It's a topic we'll continue to follow. We're also going to return to the fact that Mitt Romney has said, I think on more than one occasion, that as president he would plan to get rid, he said, of Planned Parenthood. That deserves a second look, or third Anyway, when I talked about doing some lighter fare, what I meant were some things like these items from Mental Floss magazine, which is sometimes not well-researched, but generally a lot of fun. 
such as this item. The magazine posed the question, what do grandfathers have to do with clocks? The magazine noted that these towering timekeepers, grandfather clocks, don't have anything to do with being a grandpa. Rather, they take their name from an 1876 song, My Grandfather's Clock, which described a clock that was too large for the shelf, so it stood 90 years on the floor. The British ditty was so popular that all long case clocks came to be known as grandfather clocks. And now you know the rest of the story. In a small piece by Katie Weaver, they noted that just because your name isn't Shoemaker or Smith doesn't mean your ancestors didn't work hard for their money. Many surnames take their origins from less obvious occupations, such as Fletcher, which is a maker of arrows, or Baxter, from the Old English Bakester, which meant that you were a baker, or how about Wainwright, which was a wagon builder, or Faulkner, a falconer. Of course, I'm not sure that using falcons to, uh, to collect prey is a true profession, but uh, I, I, I guess it would qualify. Mental Floss had a section called the Golden Lobes, <laughs> and they handed out some prizes for what they thought of as some worthy but quirky inventions. We will cite a couple of them, starting with non-alcoholic whiskey. <laughs> Said the magazine, For centuries, strict Muslims have been forced to choose between abiding by Islam's prohibition on alcohol and experiencing the delicious flavor of whiskey. Noted Mental Floss, no longer. In 2011, a Florida company introduced a non-alcoholic, quote, whiskey-flavored drink, unquote, that meets all Islamic dietary laws. The company boasts that the libation, RK, delivers, quote, the exceptional taste of whiskey without the alcohol content, unquote. The magazine noted that although non-alcoholic whiskey seems like an egregious oxymoron, but the reins behind RK said their beverage fills an important niche. It's for people who don't want to drink and drive. It's for pregnant people, for sick people, religious people, and recovering alcoholics. Oh, now there's a good idea in a bottle. Boy, if you want to stay on the wagon, have a few sips of this non-alcoholic whiskey. That's bound to help. Amazingly, manufacturers of real whiskey are apparently worried about losing business. A spokesperson for the Scotch Whiskey Association said, and who know there was a Scotch Whiskey Association, said, RK is trying to exploit whiskey's reputation with highly irresponsible marketing. Yes, we're pretty confident there's no irresponsible marketing being produced by the Scotch Whiskey Association. Here's an even odder one about, uh, about drinks. According to the magazine, a devout member of the obscure Hanslock Ashram, Manaj Bhargava, spent his 20s trying to achieve stillness of mind through meditation. These days, the 58-year-old who still meditates for an hour a day makes his living helping people do anything but remain calm. Bhargava is the man behind 5-Hour Energy, those 2-ounce shots of liquid vitality with the schlocky commercials and ubiquitous red bottles. He founded Living Essentials, the company that makes the drink, in 2003 after attending a trade show in Anaheim where he sampled a 16-ounce drink meant to boost productivity. It worked shockingly well. He said for the next six or seven hours, I was in great shape and thought, wow, this is amazing. I can sell this.
After tinkering with the formula and condensing it, then taking it to market, Bhargava has become one of the richest Indians in America. His drink has crushed the competition and racked up a billion dollars in sales while winning devotees from truck drivers to pro athletes. We're a little bit curious about some of these energy drinks. We talked on the show some months back about how we were going to look into them. We have not yet done so, but we still intend to do this. The energy drink market is huge, and we need to take a look at what's in some of those ingredients. And now let's hear from someone who we know we can count on for always having a lot of energy, Mr. Will Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few words on Mitt Romney's vice presidential pick, Paul Ryan, the big time budget guru of the GOP. Everybody keeps calling it a bold choice. Yeah, well, maybe, but you know, bold is not always synonymous with good. Whiskey for breakfast is a bold choice. Spun glass underwear is bold. Forehead dragon tattoos. Passing an 18-wheeler on a blind curve doing 80 in the rain. Incredibly bold. Just not that necessarily smart. It's generally assumed a major reason for choosing the Wisconsin congressman was to energize the base. And that's a slam dunk. But which base? Republicans, yeah, definitely. Haven't seen them this excited since John McCain hooked up with the governor of Alaska four years ago. On the other side, Democrats are salivating so hard they should be wearing bibs to protect their $5,000 suits. Took less than an hour before attacking Ryan's budget bill, which replaces Medicare with vouchers. But then the Romney campaign counter-accused Obama of taking $700 billion from Medicare. So brace yourself for an echoing refrain of, you're killing Medicare. No, you're killing Medicare. Rinse and repeat. Allegations have arisen that while Ryan maintained a steadfast opposition to the stimulus bill, he wrote four letters to the Secretary of Energy praising stimulus programs and requesting funds for his district. A little bit of flip for Mitt the Flop? Ryan doesn't do much to help the Richie Rich thing either. In March, he amended his financial disclosure statement because he forgot to include a $5 million trust account. And who among us hasn't done that? This campaign arc better start rising soon, or Romney might be forced to actually release his tax returns just to change the conversation. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. He is, of course, America's foremost political comic, and we're glad to have him. Let's take a short break and then come back and talk about a book titled From a Culture of Dependency to a Culture of Success, focusing on what's right about America and the American people. We'll speak with author Yale Wishnick after this short break. So what you want? I want bourbon, Since I don't know when I've been drinking bourbon whiskey Scotch and gin Gonna get high, man I'm gonna get loose Need me a triple shot of that juice Gonna get drunk, don't 